The Boast Podcast, brought to you by Boast App, the leading audio communications network, which is available for free on iOS and Android devices. Okay, Boasters, welcome to another very special episode of the Boast Podcast. Today I'm joined by international best-selling and all-around great guy, Owen Colfer. Owen, welcome to the podcast. It's, it's nice to be back. Is this my second official appearance? This is your second official appearance. Last time it wasn't live, you were answering a lot, a lot of questions. Good Lord, you did so many questions. We just um, had to edit out all the mean ones from <laughs> PJ Lynch. Uh, yeah. my, ne- my nemesis. <laughs> I'm coming for you, own coffer. I will be laureate someday. Yeah, yeah. And he is. Speaking of uh, laureate, how's uh, life post-laureate? It, it's, I'm kind of in post-laureate depression at the moment. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know either. I thought it would be all being thrilled and relieved. <laughs> but I do, I do miss the... Um, the nobility which seemed to just desert me yeah. as soon as like PJ got the medal I was just back to yes master yeah you handed over the sword I handed over the sword mm. and, uh, and uh, did you I, get to keep your medal I went from being Jack Black to KG oh so, no JK well uh, uh, no I, I could keep my medal but PJ's medal yeah. I had to say is absolutely gorgeous so I was, I was covetous even before he got his medal I was coveting his medal so yeah. it's really pathetic oh, that's fantastic uh, well by the looks of it you haven't been uh, stuck for things to do because my real life is on uh, Theatre Royal Waterford at the moment yeah, yeah. Um, starring Don Witcherly directed by Ben Barnes it's been receiving, receiving absolutely incredible reviews um, anybody who's listening now at the moment definitely needs to see this um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to the, this project well uh, many many years ago uh, I was sitting <laughs> in a pub uh, quite like this one um, maybe it was this one actually and uh, <laughs> I was out with one of my best mates and uh, for ages he'd been going on about his uh, his leg and his back and, and we used to you know, slag him and say oh I should look the malinger is off you know <laughs> he's trying to get out of a day's work and so I had I had called him earlier in the day and I said are you coming out for a pint or is your leg or your back at you yeah, yeah. you know and he said well actually I have MS oh, and, well. ha, 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 ha. and he said no I'm, no seriously I yeah. have MS you know so uh, but that's his way of kind of nailing me you know he's that kind of guy yeah. he let me walk into it and then just nailed me with that even mm. even then like he was joking so even though it was true so we came down here that night and he, we talked about it and um, and we've talked about it a lot since and uh, what struck me about that was that even though this mate had contracted this terrible uh, affliction he didn't never stop being himself he mm. didn't become MS, you know, he was still this great guy, and this was part of his life now. But he wasn't going to let it become his life, and he's continued to do that. And yeah. uh, you know him as well. And he's yeah. become quite a figure in the community, and uh, one of the funniest guys I know. Exactly, and that's that's what was important to me. That this guy is so funny, <laughs> and often people think, you know, well, he's he's got depression, or he's got this, or he's got that. He's bipolar, and they are that thing. Mm. And in this play, I wanted to show that even though the character whose name is Noel has MS and is quite mm. advanced that he's still the funniest guy in the room in mm. any room uh, and he sometimes even uses the MS to, as a punchline um, and but you still have to respect you have to respect the condition and not kind of it's not a Benny Hill play you know yeah it's exactly kind of, yeah, it's, yeah. you still have to show that this guy is suffering terribly mm. so that was a fine line to walk in but, but because we had Don Witcherly who's one yeah. of the greatest actors we have and he just sells it and most the most common reaction I get from people is that they were laughing and crying at the same time <laughs> and that they didn't know what they were doing it was a new yeah, yeah. it was a new emotion for them <laughs> the craft I don't know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of how Colin Farrell looks he always looks like he's kind of doing this no one can see this right now but it's yeah. kind of like a smile cry yeah the, the big wincy head as, yeah. as you would say in Wexford so people are coming up to you after, I don't know and so that was I was mission accomplished yes that's what yes. I want yeah. and and but the big thing was that this the friend who shall be not named mm-hmm. um, I asked him to come down to the uh, to the opening night because I I told him like this character is partly based on you and partly based on me and also mm. based on us growing up together yeah in the in the in that horrible decade that was the 1980s and <laughs> 
So I wanted his approval, you know, and yeah. I shouldn't need that because, you know, you're a playwright and you should write what you want to write. Mm. But also, I, this guy's one of my oldest friends. So he came down and we had a really nice chat and he, lo he really loved it. And he wrote a beautiful piece on Facebook, actually, yeah, uh, to promote it. So uh, that was the kind of... Uh, that was the golden touch. Yeah, know, and that was probably any sort of pressure then with that in your mind yeah. was probably evaporated then straight away. Well, I'd stop worrying about reviews then really because if it rings that the true to someone who is, who is in that position, mm. then I'm like, again, that's as close as I'm going to get. So, mm. uh, yeah. And I think every night is played has had a standing ovation for, well. for Don, mm -hmm. uh, or as I say, for my words. And <laughs> I was on the radio recently. I said, if it's a good play, it's the words. If it's a bad play, it's because Don wrecked, wrecked, <laughs> my, good, Don my, good, <laughs> wrecked my good words. But how did you um, first come to work with Don? Because the first iteration of this was obviously yeah. for Wex 4 it a couple was years ago. 2014 uh, was the four, 40th anniversary of the Wexford Art Centre. Mm. So Ben Barnes, the, the internationally well-known director, yeah. um, who used to run the Abbey, and he, he had the idea that he would get four... Uh, Wexford writers um, to uh, write a 15 minute piece mm -hmm. and then put it together and cleverly call it Wex4 <laughs> yeah. and then that would be a fundraiser for the, the theatre and there was uh, Billy Roach, uh, Colin Tobin, John Bamble and myself mm -hmm. and then scored by Eleanor McAvoy. Well. So I felt a lot of pressure <laughs> there to, you know, because that's like a big group and I'm not really a theatre guy that much and but it went really well. I wrote this piece and initially it was 15 minutes long, 20 minutes and, and Don did it. I mean, he, he, because it was Ben, he managed to get like top class actors. Yeah. And were you just kind of paired with Don for this particular project? Did you know that who you were going to be working for? So when you were writing this, you obviously no. didn't have him in mind or anything like well, that? Well, I, I actually did. It was actually fortuitous because he was down here in a doing a play called After Sarah Miles, which oh, was yeah. also a one-man show. Mm. And I had gone to see it, and I was blown away by him. And, and I, I, went to, I got to meet him after, and we went for a pint, and I was talking to him. And I kind of, I thought, I'd love to do, it really, I'd love to do a one-man show for Don. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so when Ben was talking about it, I just mentioned, you know, what about Don Mitchell? Yeah. Thinking, you know, you're never going to get Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he did, and uh, no. he got him, and so, so when I was doing the, he came back to me then afterwards, he said, listen, your bit went really well. And I've got, a, you know, some money for the theater to do a play, a new play, mm. and that could we expand yours? Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, one man in a chair for 15 minutes yeah. is, is okay. <laughs> Telling yarns about like being a, being a, a new romantic in the 1980s. Yeah. That's funny, but for an hour, for two hours? Yeah. yeah. And he said, yes, but the man is, is down with Julie. Yes. You're right. I said, good point. <laughs> I shall do it. Yeah, so I mean, taking that and bringing it to, it's 90 minutes? It's two hours. It's two hours. It's two hours. <laughs> with an interval, it's two hours and ten. Well, so it's like a full, So what was, we're trying to, and it was about three hours. We just cut, we, had, we just had to cut a lot of stuff out. Yeah, I mean, and did you, I mean, obviously when you're writing the 15 minute piece, did you already have an expanded version of that in a way that you had cut it down to the 15 minutes or did you have other ideas that you wanted to use anyway but they didn't yeah. suit the shorter piece uh, I did uh, when I'm planning anything I take a load of notes and anything mm. that occurs when I put it in so I had a lot of stories that I didn't use but the crucial thing was the ending and because in the ending of the play the initial it was I kind of whipped out of the ending I gave it a joke ending yeah uh, because it's too short to build up to the proper ending that it needed. Yeah. Uh, so when I rewrote it, the ending still wasn't right. And we all knew it, you know, the ending wasn't right. Mm. Uh, and then I had another go and it still wasn't right. It was the right words, but I wasn't doing the right way. And, and yeah. th without giving too much away, in the end, he has to talk to the girl who he left uh, years and years, 20 years beforehand. And uh, I said, I had the, the voice um, on tape. Mm. And Don said, no, I'll do both the voices. Oh, and well. just clicked. He, he just did, like, he would do both the like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And it totally works. Well. And the first time he did it, uh, he was crying and I was crying. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I think Ben may have frowned slightly. 
So, <laughs> so you know, it's good then. I, well, like Ben, you know what Ben is? I think one of the greatest theater directors in the world. And you know, to get, uh, you know, first of all, to have him, mm. but you can just tell from Ben's face, he knows when it's working. And he mm. just, it's just tiny gestures because he just leaves the histrionics to me and to me, to me and Don. Yeah. <laughs> me and Don are freaking out and crying, hugging each other. <laughs> yeah. And he's going, oh, yeah <laughs> that is good yeah exactly that can be the calming influence you need though as it, well, oh, to bring it back it down it completely is well, yeah. Ben is you need Ben there mm. or otherwise me and Dan well I will just go mad and mm. I'll probably be a raging alcoholic by now mm. but with Ben there it kind of calms everybody down mm. that's fantastic um, writing other plays as well is that something now after kind of working on this one that you might think about doing some more of them or was that just because you had that particular one in mind the particular person and the time was right for well it, it was a combination of things i mean i would never have done it if i hadn't been asked to do the 15 minutes because mm. i wouldn't have had the confidence i mean i'm known primarily as a comic writer mm -hmm. so to go in between billy roach and calum tobin in a listing mm. that was a lot of i thought well what i'm going to do now is to they probably got pretty serious, so I'll just blast the funny. Yeah. It'd be black humor, so mm. uh, so I did that. And then when Ben came back to me, I thought, oh, maybe I can write something. Yeah. And you can't just blast the humor for mm. two hours. So what this is, is the first act is very funny. And then the second act, he gets down to what he really needs to say. It's a very yeah. Irish thing where, yeah. you know, you blather around for, yeah. and then eventually, you yeah. tell your girlfriend or your wife or whatever what you actually want to say yeah to you've you. got an 80 percent of a yeah. jokey preamble yeah. kind of a oh yeah. by the way yes. your car is in a ditch <laughs> down the road <laughs> it's that's exactly it and so that's what this is though. So mm. the first act is the, oh do you remember this and you remember that and you remember that time when this happened and mm. uh, but then occasionally he kind of flicks in accidentally almost to his real his real life and what mm. what happened with this girl rose over 20 years ago that he still regrets and mm. and we get bits of that story so by the end of the second act you're kind of starting to piece it together and go wait a minute mm. i think i know what's happened with this guy yeah uh and then in the second half you know there's alcohol and sleeping pills involved and he just breaks down and mm. it all comes out but not in a mawkish way because the last thing i didn't want it to be very over the top mm -hmm. uh, Disney begging for forgiveness and happy ending, you know, it, it yeah. can't be like that, so, yeah. and anyway, it would never have gotten past Ben. Yeah, do you think that might be something, that kind of style then might be something you might like to explore for maybe future adult novels that you might write? Maybe, I mean, it's kind of, I, I would refer to it, the long extended monologue as kind of a Conor McPherson thing. Yeah. He's the guy who's the master of that, mm. and we happen to be not working together, but he's writing the screenplay of Artemis Fowl, so I'm, I'm in contact with him a little bit. Um, uh, and, you know, it was so embarrassing. Uh, I sent him an email last week, and we were, you know, we'd been talking, and I'd never said anything. And I just, yeah, yeah. I, I said, by the way, uh, I just want to say, you know, I'm a huge fan, and you're, you know, the devil's speech in The Seafarers is the finest monologue I think yeah. that I've ever seen. And you're anything like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh no. I'm totally fanboy. <laughs> I, I blew it. Yeah. I blew it. Uh, nothing for about a week. Like, and oh, then he sent no. back he left email. you on the long finger. I don't know what happened, but then he said, oh, yeah, thanks a million. I love your book. It's brilliant that we're working together. I was like, <laughs> I thought I <sighs> totally because uh, I, I I remember doing something like that with Dave Gilmore. Uh, I totally fanboyed and I blew it. I I met him, I saw him at a party and I said oh, I have to I have to Dave you have to I have to you go have over to, yeah. and he was with his wife at the time and so I said hi Dave uh, you know my I'm on call for we share an agent he said oh yeah no you're not just discovery you and yeah, I said yeah. I will now show him my knowledge <laughs> yeah. I'll hit him with the knowledge yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I'm not just a random yeah, yeah. Idiot, so. then we're going to be best friends and then we're going to be exactly yeah, this yeah. is what I you know yeah. so I said uh, so Dave uh, and he said yeah, this is my wife and I said oh yes she wrote the lyrics on the division bell oh. and he said some of the lyrics oh. <laughs> I got like cold oh uh, no it was like no. uh, it was like oh get me coke moments and I said <laughs> and I just walked on me away. back uh, I just walked away so well Maybe I was just reading into that. But <laughs> I, I, I always love finding new on-call for trivia. Yeah, it seemed a bit uh, prickly, though. 
to I'm David Gilmore if you're listening. I was never asked to his house. You know, <laughs> yeah, which and we don't want to go to his house anyway. No, I think he gave it away to a homeless charity, so I, <laughs> I loved him again then after that. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Dave. Um, you're working, and uh, speaking of Ben Barnes, you are going to be working with him now again uh, yeah. very soon after this uh, on a musical that you're writing with uh, Liam Bates at the moment. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know the yeah. details at the moment. Basically, I know that the story is about a young girl yeah. who goes on an adventure to find her mother yeah. and comes across this amazing motley crew of characters. Now, that's all yeah. I know and potentially yeah. might be out there at the moment. Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about more about Noel? <laughs> well, I am working with Ben. and This is how, uh, this is how scatterbrained I am. I said to him last week, so what are you doing when this play is over, Ben? He said, I'm working on your musical. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, there is that. But, uh, <laughs> good. good, you've good. got my trick yes. question. <laughs> but it's basically the story is about this 10-year-old girl called Noel, mm-hmm. and her father has sadly died. And she's called Noel because she was born on Christmas Day. Her mother mm-hmm. loves Christmas. Uh, and then her mother goes missing. And Noel has been told that if... She, if the authorities know that you're on your, you know, you're on your own, that you'd be sent to an orphanage, uh, and she believes this, and she thinks if I go to an orphanage, my, my mom comes home, I won't be here, and she won't know where yeah, I am, yeah. and I'll never see her again. So she pretends that her mother is there. Yeah. Uh, and it's got, She's a very capable young girl. She has like a hundred euro, and she's making it last, and she's gone to school every day. But mm. the problem is that her mother is a seamstress, and was making the costumes for the school play uh-huh. so she tries to make them herself but it doesn't work out and so the teacher then who's quite a pushy guy says right i'm coming around to see your mother so she freaks out and she yeah. hires uh with the last of her money uh, a trio of homeless people <laughs> to pretend to be her grandparents and uncle yeah uh, so they clean them up and they come and live in the house yeah and they they pass themselves off uh, and the other uh, thread of the story is that Santa Claus who's you know a bit of a childish has quit he said like all these kids are spoiled I'm out of here <laughs> yeah. he's not the usual Santa Claus we know yeah. he probably you know likes beer smoked cigar yeah. he's just had enough likes the finer things in life he does and he says I'm going to go where I'm needed so he goes to the park and he, he lives mm-hmm. with the homeless people and he helps them so when she, Noelle is hiring these homeless people to be her, her grandparents she's actually hiring Santa Claus and then she gives him his faith in humanity back uh, maybe maybe we'll see, we'll see we'll see so it's uh, it's quite a tearjerker mm-hmm. and there's a lot there's, it's, there's a few issues in it but it's also we hope uh, really really funny so Michael Londra from Venue Works yeah my old pal from secondary school yes and Emmy nominated Emmy nominated uh, for his PBS special mm. uh, tenor, Michal Delandre is uh, <laughs> is one of the producers, and yes. uh, we are happy about that because we've been trying to find something to do for years. I think sometimes people don't realize how well Michael does, you know, and mm. how with respect he is in the business. Um, so he has, he's kind of pulling back on his singing for a year, mm. and he's concentrated on his producing. Yeah. And uh, the plan is we put on a concert version, which means that the orchestra is on stage yes. uh, all the time. So you can interact with the orchestra. It's, it's a very nice way to do it. Uh, mm. If anyone is wondering what a concert version is, uh, just go on to YouTube and look up Emma Thompson. In, uh, and she did a concert b- version of, uh, what's the one with this? Not, with, where they eat the pies that's not a great Sweeney Todd <laughs> Sweeney Todd Sweeney Todd and yeah. it's amazing so we're, that's kind of the level we're looking mm. at and uh, we're bringing a lot of producers from the States and hopefully then it will wow. go on this year in Wexford in the National Opera House and then yeah. next year the world yeah and if anybody wants more information about it uh, I actually seen it earlier on on the yeah. National Opera House website so yeah. you can get your tickets and information you can but it's on sale already apparently it's really selling well so mm. Uh, we better finish writing it. <laughs> is it kind of interesting working with Liam then in terms of so you're, you're writing with it Liam's scoring it yeah how much kind of so do you guys kind of go away separately you write it he scores it or is it a very much a joint kind of approach to this in terms yeah. of you're telling him exactly walking him through it and he's kind of going, okay well I think you should do this or yeah. do parts of the music kind of influence then where you think you need to bring the the, the words uh, what happens usually is I will go away and I will write the complete thing 
uh, including all the lyrics. Yeah. With the understanding that that they will be totally changed. Yeah. Um, because they won't, you know, fit in with what whatever tune that inspires in Liam's head. Uh, so sometimes Liam will change the lyrics himself, mm -hmm. but usually he will say to me, right. I need it this long, this stress is this little. And it's taken me a, few, a while to get into it. Uh, but uh, And then there's a knock-on effect because the music will change, the lyrics will change, then, mm -hmm. and, but then the next scene changes also. Yeah. So it's, it's very collaborative. Yeah. So I would say it's 50-50, you know, 50, you know, we, we, he does. I say in hours, Liam does more work because he actually mm -hmm. orchestrates as well. Fantastic. That's a, that is a really, really, uh, laborious job. Mm -hmm. And have you enjoyed working on the music again? Because this is is this this is the second one. No, this is our fourth. Fourth. We did we did uh, one musical that was never staged. That mm -hmm. was our, and that, there's actually a lot of good music in that. Then we did one called The Lords of Love. Yeah. Which was on in Waterford and Wexford, which was a which was kind of a launching off platform for us that got us noticed by the American producers. Yeah, it was fantastic. Then yeah. last year I did something or two years ago. I did something called the bell bottoms. Yes, yeah. And Liam did three or, four, three or four of the songs for that. Yeah, which is fantastic and hilariously funny. Well, I'd like to get that out again. I mean, yeah. I think that was a that was the one that deserved a national tour. Yeah. But because of various biological factors, <laughs> yeah. i.e., both bell bottoms becoming pregnant. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the show. No. Uh, Just but life. they said that was like we were like a lucky charm for them. Yeah. But uh, so. It's a fantastically funny show. I remember seeing it at the Vodafone Comedy Festival. It absolutely blew everybody away. I was actually sitting in the crowd as well. And it was just so completely different yeah. from everything else that was on that weekend. Yeah. The songs are so funny. Yeah. They're very catchy as well. Well, I, I was, because I know, I'm, I've met a lot of musicians. Hmm. Um, I was able to go to them and say, you know, would you like to do a song about a prostate exam? It has to be disco. <laughs> yeah. And people were just going, would of course I would. <laughs> Disco, you say? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, everyone has, is a closet, if Disco. not open disco fan. And so I was able to go to Brezzy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I just rang up Brezzy and said, Brezzy, uh, I need a disco song about a bi curious younger brother. And he was like, oh. <laughs> I already happen to have one. <laughs> and I, he said, send me the lyrics. And uh, in two days, he sent me back this song, Curious. And it's like, it could be a Stevie Wonder song. It's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and then my brother Niall, of course. Yeah. Um, I sent him one as well, and uh, and I went to a guy called Hans Engstrom, which well. people don't know much, but Hans worked on the original tracks for the Off the Wall. Oh, right. uh, Michael Jackson Off the Wall. He wrote some of those tracks, which well. were later used by, and uh, like just the famous popcorn that's in some of Michael yeah, Jackson's yeah, songs, yeah. and. He sent his song, which is called Restraining Order. <laughs> and uh, there was the popcorn. And yeah, and I, yeah. he, said, he said, if anyone asks you, I invented the popcorn. <laughs> he, so he put them on, the original Michael Jackson track. So yeah, if yeah. Anyone, says, anyone says, I'm copying Michael Jackson, he said, I invented it. <laughs> I invented and, uh, and we got people, Elder McAvoy wrote two songs. Yeah. Uh, 24 Hours in Tesco, which is one of That's the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were just able to, the Heathers, well, yeah. I, I love Heather's and love they, uh, they wrote a song called, I wanted to do a, a ridiculous song, a bit like uh, I've Never Been To Me, you know, which is just so stupid, you know, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. So I had these lyrics called Time's a Woman Too. And like, it doesn't mean, like, it means nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, um, and I send it to them and they sent back a song. And, uh, <laughs> And the manager rang me and said, that's a really good song. I said, too late. I've got it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mine. Uh, you can't have it. And I said, Actually, I know him. I said, you can't have it back because it's, it's like this amazing song. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But we still, we still managed to make it funny. Yeah. So, but but uh, we've got all these brilliant people. Pierce, Pierce Turner did one. Mm. Uh, so would you like to do that again now? For, for I'd like to get it out again. Yeah. I mean, it's just putting the show together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, it's a very hard thing to sell because it's kind of like the Nulas. Yeah. It's more comedy act than a show. Yeah. So basically nobody would get paid. They'd have to make the money on the door. <laughs> yeah. And that's a tough sell for two <clears throat> mummies. Yeah. You know, 
to, you, you have to go out on the road and leave your kids and mm. if like 20 people show up you won't get paid you can make a 2.0 version and just incorporate the babies into the actual well, well actually when Sharon got pregnant we had to rewrite uh, so we, we, we rewrote the song we rewrote the script so one of them was pregnant and we wrote a song called Danger Balls yeah, yeah. where this girl gets pregnant by you know the town stud he's got five girls pregnant already you know Danger and that Balls. became one of the, the hits of the show we got a guy called Josh Fix he's an American uh, soul singer to, to do that for us and, <laughs> and Michael Ondra of course he did one called The Hen Train which yeah. is about a group of uh, Wexford girls going, they go on the train to Dublin as a yeah, yeah. party yeah. and uh, so Michael did that as a, as a writer then do you enjoy being able to uh, on the seg- so as well as being able to experience people reading your books and enjoying it and getting that kind of feedback with them actually kind of experiencing people then watching your your thing oh, up yeah. there on it's the stage like and then that's like the greatest feeling it's a terrifying thing though because if it goes wrong you're, there's no escape you know mm. and I have been at time, I mean a couple of nights like people weren't expecting the bell bottoms like the yeah. bell bottoms quite raw well, something completely different than I had seen yeah for sure and people thought oh we're going to no call for a thing this is going to be all about leprechauns and you know the value of parents yeah. <laughs> and then danger balls comes out and I mean people were heard to say it's not what I was expecting it's <laughs> not yeah. and you were there going because <laughs> I, I think Vodafone was probably the Vodafone Comedy Fest was mm. probably our audience yeah it was you perfect know, everybody people was. were had a few drinks mm. Uh, you know, they were young people, mm-hmm. and you know, and then these two disco queens come on, yeah. and, and people were like, "Yes!" Before yeah. they said did anything, people were <laughs> yeah. like, "This, I don't know what this is." <laughs> yeah, but, but whatever it is, I'm up for it, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, but in Wexford, there was a little bit, there was a little bit of hesitation. But by the end of the night, the girls got a standing ovation both nights. And like Sharon, when we did it here, Sharon was eight months pregnant, wow. and she was so pregnant that people thought it was a joke <laughs> that it, she wasn't pregnant. Yeah, you know. Uh, kind of coming up and poking her yeah, that's, going, really, oh. that's really good but it's a bit overdone <laughs> no that's no it's literally nearly overdone I was asking Sharon would it be at all possible that she gave birth on the last <laughs> night as an encore <laughs> and she came cruelly declined it's declined yeah. Yeah, no. probably for the better of everything in hindsight yes <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Owen Coffer, um coming from the stage back to books Everybody is going crazy for the upcoming Iron Man novel. Yeah. Which is due out in October. October, yeah. October uh, for worldwide release. Worldwide release, yeah. No, it, it's, uh, it will be in all English-speaking territories in October. Mm. That's Fantastic. Awesome. And maybe German as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's been uh, amazing. I went over to Book Expo America. And, and usually I have kind of, you know, I do good if, if I have an hour... Queue, mm-hmm. that's great, but like the queue was literally. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah. I remember seeing the pictures of it. Yeah, it was just I could. We, we ran out of everything. Like I was, we were signing, <laughs> giving them bits of pieces anything, of paper anything. from your pocket. We had flyers, and, and they had made up these brilliant. And I haven't got any, but hmm. I should have uh, Iron Man phone chargers. Oh well, yeah. So it was like the name, my name, and the name of the book, and it was my son has one. He's delighted with that. But yeah, but it was great, I mean, and I just felt, wow, this is there's a real buzz about this book. Yeah. And we just got our first review in Carcass, which is like the top. I've seen that. Uh, an absolutely incredible review. Great review. So yeah. we, we are, uh, I was got inundated with invites to do things. So it's, you can, you, sometimes you can feel it, mm. the buzz about something yeah. months before it comes out. And it was, it was like this with Artemis Fowl. You could feel the, the buzz and it was like every day something else comes in. Can you come mm. and speak here? Can you come and talk there? Yeah. So this is a completely different story as well than than has been done. I mean, Iron Man, Tony Stark, rather. Yeah. I mean, comes to Ireland to a party and yeah. he spots something going down, starts investigating. But I mean, he's totally isolated away from all his Avenger pals. Yeah. I think I read in as the review put it, he's locked and loaded with fireworks and disco music. Well, you see, he's not allowed into the country where you know with armaments, but they want yeah. Iron Man. So what he's done is he's three D printed. A, what he calls his party pack yeah yeah so it's, it can fly but like yeah. it shoots mentos at people and you know <laughs> coke and then it explodes and <laughs> yeah. so it's a joke thing and he's going to mm. uh, a party in the Clarence Hotel with some bands mm. and uh, and this is all he's wearing and also uh, it dissolves after 48 hours all right. so I can't fall into uh, yeah but he's what he doesn't know is I can't really give much away but he has yeah. been totally hacked so when he goes to investigate what he thinks is a 
a missing US gunship. It's just the suit telling him what this hack wants him to see. So ah. when he goes down to investigate, he's totally immobilized. His he's suit is being taken. trapped. So um, someone's trying to get one over on They just want the suit. Things. They need the suit for 24 hours because they're, they have their own armaments ready to strap onto it. So ah, all they need right. is, he, and he's launching the summit, so he's gonna be waved in. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he can just fly right in there in his party pack and just blow up. And damn these evil criminals. But it actually, it is a nice twist to it in that the evil criminal is not really evil and mm. uh, it all goes back to his own dad and uh, yeah. so, which Marvel is big on, you know, if you can look yeah. back to the parents. But it's funny because I wanted, um, I had a whole backstory as to who killed Tony Stark's parents. All right. And I said, no, you can't use that. I said, why can't I use that? We can't tell you why I can't use that. And I, of course, I found out then when Captain America came out that Tony Stark's parents were killed by the Winter Soldier. Ah, right. And mine was much better. Was it? What? <laughs> could you, could you right, release that, right, under a name of something else on some sort of fan fiction website yeah, like just so everybody can read it? Like the Deadpool leak. Yeah, exactly. Like a, yeah, yeah. What, what really happened? <laughs> well, I didn't change it that much. I just did a type and replace of the name of the people. So, But uh, they said, no, you can't use that. But that was about the only thing that yeah. they they wouldn't let me use mm. and I, I don't know why they, there's, a, there's a real separation between movies and the comics mm. so I was kind of working for the comics side Yeah. so I couldn't even reference for example I wanted to start the book after Sokovia yeah. and they said no you can't talk about Sokovia oh, right. and I realise now because of course the next movie was all about that and yeah yeah, yeah. But, uh, so they're separate they still want to you, kind yeah. of don't want to get things they don't, they don't, as Ghostbusters would say they don't want to cross the streams <laughs> yeah. so it's fine but I had the best fun doing it and it, it, I wrote it about three months it was, I, was so, I was so enjoying it mm. and something like that you don't feel well I didn't feel or maybe I, afterwards I did but at the time I didn't feel any pressure I thought this is going to be a great crack and mm. I really enjoy this and, and it's only when I went to the States that I realised that these people really love Iron Man. Yeah. And I realized that there was a bit of a responsibility there mm. not to mess it up. Yeah. Because we love Iron Man, but they love. Oh, yeah. Iron Man. He's theirs. Like, you know, he's their Fionn McCool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So they, they really don't <laughs> want anyone messing them up. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big controversy now because Iron Man is, is, is a black teenager, teenage girl. Yeah, I've seen yeah. something about that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to last, but at the same time, there's the usual misogynists coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't have a, you can't have female ghostbusters. Yes, yes. You know, it's uh, it, no wonder poor Hillary Clinton gets a hard time. They don't want, even want a female mythical character. I know. Yeah, <laughs> what about a real life person? Yeah, doing so, great things. So yeah, that's fantastic. Anyway. No, yeah, no, that, that, that's brilliant. I mean, has there been any? word yet from Robert Downey Jr. Has he given it any sort of blessing? That's the, that or am I going to have to ring him up? That's the holy grail. If you could, I actually sent an email yesterday. I said, you have to get this Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Just tell him to read one page yeah. and even mumble something and we will interpret it as, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, just get Jarvis uh, yeah. to translate it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I love this book. But, but it, I think if you had his name on the front, yeah. that would be like... It would incredible. Yeah. Uh, this last thing that I want to talk to you about as well, I mean, the Tony Stark character, first of all, in the um, in the first review that's come out, I mean, yeah. they were really impressed in terms of the all the inside jokes you yeah. were able to get into it without being over the top. Yeah. And But I mean, like that obviously was a bit of a hard graph to be able to get in there and kind of know all these things yeah. as well, like uh, on top of writing the story, you know? So It was all... Um kind of knowledge that I had from growing up reading those books yeah. so I didn't go back and research anything mm. my the hard thing for me was well I did a little bit of research mm. uh, but the hard thing for me was not to be too fanboyish yeah. in that it would it become it became uh, obscure for people who, who weren't who didn't read Tony Stark books. but the good thing about Marvel is every child in the world knows who Iron Man is yeah and every more or less every child in the world has seen the movies. Mm. So you're not really starting from a place where you have to build up an origin story. Now, I mean, if I start a book, usually I have to say how this person got to be this way. Mm. But with this book, you're, you're flying straight mm. out of the trap. So I think chapter two, he's in the suit. Yeah. You know, he's flying. And 
you don't have to say, well, this is a suit I built when mm. I was held hostage in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to do any of that. You just people go, oh yeah, he's great, he's in suit. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you just take it from there. Yeah, fantastic. And when you wanted, it was there a particular way that you wanted to portray the character of Tony Stark? I wanted him to be very much a smart aleck, um, but that that's his defense mechanism. Yeah. You know, he he's really feels um, pretty much like the movies that. He feels very, a lot of guilt mm. for the weaponry that is now around the world and he's made it his, uh, his mission in life um, when he's not with the Avengers is to find any Stark weaponry yeah. anywhere and, and decommission it. Well, yeah. And that's, so that's what he's trying to do. So everywhere he goes, he has a loop running in his helmet that's looking at for Stark weaponry anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then when he finds it, then he kind of, he asks... You know, shield, and they said, "No, you can't just fly into him." So he's doing all these covert operations to various countries, and just quietly decommission it. <laughs> yeah. Just take a chip. You know, he doesn't go in and blow up things. He just comes yeah. in at night and takes the chip and goes home. Yeah. And that's what he thinks he's doing here, mm. but actually he's being set up because someone wants his armor, this dissolving armor yeah. that they only need for like twelve hours. So, and the thing is, he is going to be blamed. Yeah. So he's to- Tony Stark is going to fly in. And blow up this conference, and uh, and well, and then they're going to kill the real Tony Stark. Yeah. But his legacy will be that he destroyed an economic, or sorry, an ecological summit. So yeah, it's all a big setup, and uh, and he has to get it. And but I thought my favorite part of it is Inspector Conroy, who's his kind of he's stuck with them, mm. who's an Irish heart yeah. and yeah. he is not impressed with Tony Stark and, and his <laughs> and his suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he thinks he, you know, that's not how you do police work. Yeah, because I mean, police size, police force, unarmed. Yeah, yeah. And they're so probably like, he's whatever. He's done, and like, but he's a great hurler. So I kind of, <laughs> there's a bit about hurling in it, and he's yeah. he's talking about he's trying to tell him about Coo Collin mm. and the ball, you know, the hurling ball down the neck. Yeah, yeah. Which actually he uses later on then. Oh, um, well. So he takes out a guy with the hurley. Nice. So that's my way of introducing the barbaric sport. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's amazing, and I mean that's just given me about a million other reasons to really want this book. Um, well, I hope so. And <laughs> my favorite reason that I would like it is that the cover is done by a guy called Owen Richardson, and it says "Oil yeah. Painting of Iron Man." It's yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm. I'm making moves to get to get that. Did, did you know that your picture uh, of your head photoshopped onto the Iron Man suit is literally gone like viral across That's the internet? Incredible, hasn't it? You did that. <laughs> you did, I mean, legally, like, did we illegally do that, or did you illegally do it? But it's everywhere. I don't know. They used that in Comic Con. Like on, on the stand, they used that and like like they had done it, and they're going. So, Wait a I I was only looking for it the other day, yeah. right? Uh, I I was googling uh, something just to, uh, as an image for this, and uh, the first thing I, I put in on call for Iron Man, right? If you put in on call yeah. for Iron Man at the moment and go to Google Images, literally the first twenty pictures are from all these amazing websites, and it's you doing this, yeah. holding your hand out with <laughs> with the Iron Man suit. On. It's a good. It was a good Photoshop. Though. It's pretty smooth. <laughs> No one could ever tell. No. Yeah. Except for the big dopey grin on my <laughs> I'm just surprised he never got a letter from Marvel going, hey guys, yeah. you want to tone back the well, Photoshop? I think we just deny who did that. We don't know where they. Some, some fanboy. Some, fan, some fanboy. Um, okay, that comes out in October. Um, yeah. Another thing that I, I'm pretty sure you have coming out next as well is going to be illegal. Illegal. Uh, I just finished. The last of the script yesterday, well, and that is a graphic novel with Andrew Duncan and Giovanni Regano, mm. and it's going to be like it's going to be incredible. I don't, I'm not talking about the script, but the artwork yeah. is unbelievable. I've seen one page that you've shared so far yeah. of it, and it is just. But they, they they brought six pages to the Bologna Book Fair, and the place apparently went nuts, and it was the book of the fair, and it's sold all over the world now. Um, it's just it's such a harrowing story, but. It's about these two brothers who. Mm. It's very relevant. Yeah, it's totally, it's completely relevant and, and horribly more relevant every day. Mm. So those two brothers come up from sub-Saharan Africa, through the desert into Libya, and then across the Med and into Italy. You know, and uh, mm. what we wanted to do was again, rather than make it about the problem, is make it about the people. So mm. it, I thought if you narrowed it down to two brothers 
and a sister actually a family making their journey uh, it's not like this big instrument it's like I remember flying over the favela in Brazil and, think, and thinking this problem is so big mm. how can you ever solve it and I think people think about that about the immigration crisis they see all these boats and think this is so huge mm. how can we ever fix this and, but then if you just tell a story of three people I think mm. it becomes you can relate to it then yeah. and people can say well if I could say one person uh, and it's funny um, our editor uh, emailed me today and she said uh, and she's uh, Rachel it's fantastic um, and she said because of your book I have taken a refugee into my house and they arrived next week wow that's <laughs> incredible you know yeah uh, now she was already politically motivated so uh, it wasn't just a book but she was very nice to say yeah well, it's nice to think that yeah part of what you're working on now at the moment they will have I hope so level, I yeah, mean the, the problem is, not the problem but like we are three middle class white guys mm. writing about an African problem yeah and we really were I was really really eager to to sh not try and co-opt a cultural problem yeah. for me to make money. Yeah. So for one thing, I'm not making any money. All my, everything is going to Medicine Sans Frontier. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, but that's not enough to, to say that. I mean, it, you just really want to highlight the problem without being a part of the problem. Yeah, of or trying so. to glamorize the problem. So it's mm. not a glamorous, it's a hard book. Mm. But also these are two young boys, so they are funny. Mm. And they get up to shenanigans, yeah. you know, to do what they have to do to, mm. get, to get to Europe. But, mm. uh, do you have any sort of timeline on that then in terms of a release date? That won't be out until uh, September 2017. 2017, yeah. Because uh, Geo is uh, virtuoso and every panel he draws is a beautiful mm. uh, work of art. You and could literally take any panel and blow it up and put it on your wall. It's fantastic. And it's the team that brought us the Artemis Fowl graphic novels. We did the Artemis Fowl graphic novels. We did the Supernaturalist. And we are. Yeah. I was in London uh, yesterday mm -hmm. and, uh, with Andrew. And we have we've just put together a plan for our next one. Um, so we want to keep working together. It's, um, well, it's, a, so it's a great, it's a great team and mm. so there's plans in the process now for the well next I said I want to do like a superhero one but I said you know we don't want to do a normal superhero mm -hmm. we want to do something a bit different and uh, mm -hmm. so we think we have a take on that and mm -hmm. we have to put together a uh, a proper pitch and a Geo will do a couple of paintings and then mm -hmm. we'll hopefully stay with the Hachette and um, and keep it going fantastic before we get to, to some quick questions uh, at the very end is there any other projects coming up now over the next couple of months aside from these particular ones or is everything we kind of covered here really going to be I mean that's a lot of things that's, on, yeah the next it's just not going to be a whole lot of time keeping me going until September 2017 mm -hmm. uh, I am working on my own novel my next book which will be a kids book uh, mm -hmm. novel and then after that I think I will uh, I'll do a crime book. I have a few ideas for crime books. Mm -hmm. um, are you going to go back to the Dan McAvoy series, or are you thinking a, a different? I'm thinking stand. Kind of I'm thinking I have an idea for a standalone, which I think mm -hmm. would work quite nicely. Uh, I've been getting involved a little bit in the the movie world, but not as, as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing some executive producing. Mm -hmm. uh, I helped out a Paul a bit with his movie Stayed. And, yeah. Uh, uh, executive producer on Jim Sheridan's next movie, mm -hmm. uh, but that's just you just kind of help out where you can. Yeah, that, of course, that, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm Full enjoying place. that, uh, but I, I I kind of feel now that the laureate's over, that I want to really get back into. I know it sounds like I've been writing a lot, mm -hmm. but um, you know, get down, do my thousand words a day for three months. Yeah, just no traveling but it looks like with Iron Man I'll be doing a big tour in November so mm -hmm. and then Noel's in December so it's it's pretty full on fantastic well Owen just to finish up we have uh, a couple of questions from some of our favourite people ever at oh. Children's Books Island those lovely people uh, Aoife, Jenny, Kira. Kira. They, they sent the question Aoife each so I think we'll take a question there's not much point in answering this because it's quarter past six now so they're drunk yeah <laughs> they no, they're not listening <laughs> they're not they're listening, not listening. Uh, let's hear from uh, Aoife first of all anyway uh. Aoife Aoife is my Hi Aoife Marie here from CBI having written novels for children uh, worked together on picture books collated short stories written screenplays and written songs 
What is next? Is there any other form of writing that you'd like to do? And what's your favorite to work in? Thank you. So you've already covered some of the things you're going to be working on. But I mean, yeah. is there a favorite when it comes to something like this? Uh, I do like, uh, I think my favorite will always be the kind of the fairy tale world, writing mm. stories for that. And mm. uh, that's what I want to get back to. I've always wanted to write kind of a classic one standalone fairy tale. I think Neil Gaiman mm. does that probably the best. Mm that I know, so that's what I'd like to do, like a uh, Victorian um, fairy tale. Mm. So yeah, I'm gonna do that next. And, and thank you Aoife, and I hope everything is going well for you. <laughs> do a great job, young lady. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice there as well. Um, and then quick question from Jenny. Jenny. Hi Owen, Jenny in Children's Books Ireland here. Quick question for you, as an international author, um, I'm just wondering if you're aware of um, having to represent Ireland in your books or not. Um, obviously, Iron Man comes to Dublin in the next instalment, so just curious about that. Where are you going? That's a very, that's a very good question. Mm. Uh, Were you tempted to put any from Jenny? of like big Irish characters into Iron Man because oh, in Ireland? Was yeah. there that temptation? That or? He, he might meet Bono or something. <laughs> yeah. I was tempted, but I just, you know, that's kind of stuff is always tricky. Yeah. But... Uh, I do feel it's a tough one. I mean, there is a thing in Ireland where we, you should write about Ireland. And if you're not writing about Ireland, why aren't you writing about Ireland? <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't feel a huge pressure to write about Ireland, but it just mm. so happens that most of my stories are set in Ireland. I mean, I've written 40 books and I think 30 of them are set in, 32, 33, mm. are set in Ireland. Uh, I've written a couple about Irish characters overseas and I feel kind of able to do that because I have been that person mm. you know I've, I've been an Irish person overseas living overseas so I, uh, but I do and I, I feel just to be writing has to come from some kind of true place even if you're writing about Iron Man or fairies there has to be some truth to the world and mm. so so Jenny thank you for uh, stoking the patriotic fires <laughs> I do think about I think about Ireland and train journeys Jenny I think about train journeys a lot a lot. That's a cryptic. Yeah, it's cryptic yeah. for Jenny. <laughs> uh, uh, the final question then from CBI comes from Kira. Hi, Owen. It's Kira in Children's Books Ireland. As you know, I love picture books. Um, you've recently worked with some great illustrators on your books with Barrington Stoke and um, more noticeably the PJ Lynch uh, for Once Upon a Place. Will you be doing more picture books in the future? More picture books in the future? Is uh, that a plan at all? Thanks, Kira. Hope you're well, haven't seen you in ages. You guys seem to have forgotten all about me, but that's fine. <laughs> no one calls me anymore, I'm out of the loop. I don't care. I do care. Uh, no, um, I really do. I really care. Uh, I, I, I am doing a picture book, and I kind of used, I abused my position as laureate <laughs> to get, first of all, get to know PJ Lynch, and then when I sidled up to him and you know become friends, and I knew he he had he he had he was a dog guy. They take rescue dogs, so yeah. I wrote a book about a rescue dog. And nice. what's he gonna say? So <laughs> I actually met one of them the other day when uh, I was up uh, at oh, PJ's yeah. house. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, you, did, you did a boast with uh, PJ. Yeah. yeah. So did you see the picture he has in his front room of the naked man, the naked clown? The naked clown? No, did I didn't you, see the naked, naked clown. Did you see the naked clown? Well. <laughs> That's when you know to run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, when you're getting shown a Let me clown. show you this picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's my person. <laughs> no, it's actually my favorite. But uh, so yeah, you know, I was out with PJ and Barbara in their house, and they have they do rescue dogs, and so I hit PJ with this really sad story about a rescue dog, and he's like, okay, <laughs> so I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I know you're manipulating me. <laughs> So he, we're doing that together, which I couldn't be happier about. And Fantastic. of course, I worked with Oliver Jeffers mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, I love the picture book process. And, mm. uh, I like the idea that I can write a story and it takes me a week and then it might take them a year to illustrate it. <laughs> and we get paid the same. Yeah, <laughs> suckers. It seems so fair to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I love a good picture book. I mean, when I was on tour with Oliver, mm. the emotion that people feel over picture books is incredible I mm. never you don't really get that when you write for teams mm. you know if anything they're a bit frosty sometimes you know yeah, yeah I like it but whatever yeah. just sign it but little kids they run up and they're hugging Oliver and they're crying and uh, they don't want me in the photos at all <laughs> you know it's really funny like they're, can we take a picture with Oliver and I would say well, do you want me in it and they go if you want <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> whatever you know if it makes you happy <laughs> yeah, we don't really you. want you but yeah, uh, yeah. So, 
hopefully myself and Oliver will do another one because mm -hmm. we had a great time. We went, we did a great tour of the States and a great tour of the UK. Uh, and I remember Oliver said, you know, he said, do you remember the last time you came to me with the story and then I did the artwork and I said, yeah, he said, well, what about the next time we go somewhere and we're like for a week and just work on the story and develop it together? And I said, that's a great idea. Where should we go? And he said, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the greatest children's book of all, all time. time. Like somebody come home with two words. <laughs> the end we'll have no story <laughs> I, can, I can actually see in Oliver's style a uh, red dice with legs and eyes and a poker chip that's that's the story right that's the book yeah the it's going to be called chip. Lady Luck Lady Luck fantastic the book that's probably more than we would get <laughs> if we went to Vegas for a week but we're still going to no our actually our Oliver and I have this <laughs> grand plan yeah and our grand plan is as follows yeah. He has three brothers. Yes. And I have four brothers. Yeah. So we, we want to get all the nine brothers together on a night out. Like, it'll be just insane. If and that doesn't end in a fist fight, <laughs> like, nine, five, four Belfast guys and five Wexford guys yeah, yeah. in a pub in. North meets south. North meets south in a pub in Dublin. <laughs> so we've all, we're, all, we're all ready to go. We just have to, we just have to set, the Avengers assemble. Conference yeah, assemble. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, and his brothers are two. One's in Scotland, one's in London. And Belfast and he's in Brooklyn so whereas in our family three in, are in Wexford <laughs> so that's a lot the covers are ready to go ready to roll we're, we're like any any night any night yeah, what yeah. night and he says well June 2019 so but we're gonna do it and it's, it'll be epic that's brilliant so Owen thanks so much we're, I mean I've taken up lots of time um, you're just about to go uh, launch a book for Cat Holden called yes. The All Fall Down yes which I'm sure is going to be very exciting but just to be clear, we were totally joking when we said we made that photo. Yeah. Oh, of yeah. Ironman. That was some other. That was definitely some other guy. Some guy did that, not James. It wasn't us. Of Wexford. No. Uh, it was called Mamus, <laughs> Mamus Sedmund. Yeah, Mamus Sedmund. I hate, I hate that guy. <laughs> uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, um, the, I mean, people need to go see the play. Uh, it's in Waterford uh, it's every, every week. Thursday, Friday. That's it. In July. And yeah. then it's, I think it's going to Cork. And then we are in talks to get it to come to Wexford and Dublin and then a, a nationwide tour. So it's all really exciting. Fantastic. So that's My Real Life, uh, starring Donna Witcherly, written by Owen Coffer, directed by Ben Barnes, TaterRoyal.ie. I think people can take up, pick up tickets at the moment and keep an eye for it when it's on the road. Owen Coffer, thanks you. Thanks you. Thank you so much. Thank you, famous segment. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> The Boast Podcast, brought to you by Boast App, the leading audio communications network, which is available for free on iOS and Android devices.